And a good Thursday morning. Eric Carpenter here. This is KCVL, KCRK. A little bit of rain in the early morning hours. And now looking pretty nice out there. Lots of blue skies. Looks like it's going to be a nice Thursday. Make it a safe Thursday. Again, if you're going to be out in the woods or anything outdoors, it is very dry out. Yesterday was an initiative signing event here in Colville. Pretty much a steady flow of people going into the Ag Trade Center to talk about a lot of them signing a number of the initiatives. Uh, there were several candidates on hand to answer questions uh, from voters. The uh, all in all, 283 people turned out and signed petitions at the Ag Trade Center yesterday. So good to see a lot of people out. Gave people here in Northeast Washington an opportunity to get their voice heard on the initiatives that uh, you're gathering signatures statewide. They had a guest speaker last night about 6 o'clock, and uh, good turnout, well-attended event at the Ag Trade Center here in Colville. Experience, technology, satisfaction, a written warranty, and over 30 years experience. That's what makes Davis Auto Rebuild stand out from the rest. At Davis Auto Rebuild, customers are our number one priority, and we realize how difficult it is to be without your vehicle. So we make it easier for you with loaner and rental cars, and also help with your insurance claims. Call Davis Auto Rebuild at 684-3137 or stop in at 1175 South Main in Colville and see the Davis Auto Rebuild difference. Uh, Today, we're going to hear about sturgeon. This was part of the presentation of the Lake Roosevelt Forum Summer Update on the various fisheries at the lake. Uh, We'll find out about the white sturgeon fishery. White Sturgeon Lake Roosevelt have been experiencing chronic recruitment failure since about the 1970s. The survey that was conducted all the way back in 1998. The majority of the fish collected are between 160 and about 200 centimeters fork length. And there's very little fish that were collected below 100 centimeters fork length, which indicates that this population has had a constant recruitment failure problem. We believe we have identified where this recruitment bottleneck is happening. And it's happening at some point at the larval life stage. So we collect larvae for the White Sturgeon Aquaculture Program and we collect them on an annual basis. So we know these fish are spawning annually. They're producing viable progeny, and then we're collecting those fish, bringing them to the hatchery. But this is the last point we see them, and we don't really fully understand the mechanisms that are driving recruitment failure, but it's happening at some point after this larval life stage. We have seen two very small pulses of recruitment, which have occurred in years with historically high water, and that was in the high water years of 1997. And then again, we've collected a handful of fish from 2011. So because of the constant recruitment failure problem, the Conservation Aquaculture Program was instituted in the U.S. in 2003. This program has a two main goals. The first goal is to preserve the remaining genetic diversity of the population. And the second goal of the aquaculture program is to rebuild the age class structures. We're trying to rebuild that age structure so that one day we can establish a sustainable population. We received juveniles from the Kootenai Sturgeon Hatchery up in British Columbia. 
Those juveniles were transferred to the Sherman Creek Hatchery where they were successfully reared and released in 2004. We continued receiving support from the Kootenai Surgeon Hatchery, received eggs and larvae from 2004 through 2005. We wanted to become independent and not rely on the Kootenai Hatchery to provide us juveniles and eggs and larvae. So beginning in 2006, the broodstock infrastructure was installed at Sherman Creek. And then from that point forward, we began collecting our own broodstock, transporting those back to Sherman Creek, rearing them there, and then releasing them. Our broodstock program continued until 2010. It was deemed that it was actually feasible to go out, collect drifting larvae in drift nets, take those larvae back to Sherman Creek Hatchery, rear those fish, and then release them back into the reservoir. So beginning in 2011, we suspended our broodstock collection activities, and we now only collect wild-caught larvae as our sole source of progeny for the aquaculture program. We're able to capture a greater genetic diversity of the population by allowing these fish to spawn naturally. There's hundreds of these fish spawning in a given year. So we're able to capture multiple spawning events and capture a greater proportion of the genetic diversity by letting these fish spawn on their own, which is one of our main goals of our conservation aquaculture program. It also allows for natural mate selection naturally, whereas if you bring broodstock to the hatchery, we're forced to spawn fish with other fish that may or may not have spawned with each other in the wild. Another benefit is that it, it allows for natural selection on the very first early life stages of white sturgeon. We are able to eliminate our broodstock collection efforts. So this is an extremely labor-intensive um, process. We have to go out, we have to collect fish, we have to sex the fish in the field. Then we have to transport those fish back to Sherman Creek Hatchery where we induce them for spawning, and then we release those fish back into the reservoir. So it creates a lot of additional stress on the adults. And it also requires a lot of additional infrastructure. So by going to using wild-caught larvae, we're able to eliminate all that labor and reduce the amount of stress we're putting on the adults in the population. Those of you that have been around the China Bend area in June and July, you'll probably notice these giant red buoys that are on an inside bend just above where the China Bend log boom is. And this is where we are collecting white sturgeon larvae for the aquaculture program. This area was documented to have high catch rates of white sturgeon larvae through previous early life history research. And below these big buoys, we have our nets suspended. And what happens is these larvae are drifting down the reservoir. They're collected in these drift nets. We pull up the nets. We check them every one to two hours. And this is somewhat labor intensive. And this also occurs during the night because uh, white sturgeon larvae only drift um, during the night. But before we begin our larva collections, we begin monitoring for free embryos on disperser eggs. And then they hatch as a free embryo and they go through a weak dispersal period. And so we're out monitoring, trying to collect these free embryos. And once we see a peak in free embryos, then we begin our larval collection efforts for the hatchery about seven to 10 days after that. Our catch rates are highly variable between nights. It depends on how many fish spawned on a given event. And it also depends on the water temperatures, which affect development. This collection event is a huge process and it's a multi-agency effort and everyone's working together so that we can get fish for the conservation aquaculture program. So once we collect the fish and bring these larvae into the into Sherman Creek Hatchery, they're reared there for about a year. All the hatchery fish that we bring in, we pit tag them and scoop mark. A pit tag is essentially a social security number for a fish. So it's a really small tag that we insert into the fish. And then we have scanners that allow us to scan the fish and give us that 16-digit code. Because when we're out doing our sampling events, it allows us to easily distinguish between hatchery and wild progeny. It's also really important because it allows us to track post-release growth and survival. So once we release that fish from the hatchery, we know how big it was. And then when we recapture that fish later down the road, we can go back and look and see how much that fish has grown. Using broodstock fish, it allows us to monitor the broodstock maternal families over time. So these maternal families were produced in the hatchery and they're kept separate throughout the rearing process. So we're able to track those families and see how they grow and survive um, through time. And then they are typically released in the early spring. We 
notice that survival is highly related to the size of release. So essentially, the larger the fish is at release, the better the survival. So our release goal now is we're trying to release fish at a 200 gram size. That will reflect about an 86% survival the first year and then 98% survival for each additional year. So if you look at the difference in the two survival weights, they're quite different. So in the early years of the program, we were stocking a large number of fish that we assumed were surviving at a very low rate. But in reality, these fish were actually surviving at a very high rate. So we ended up with a lot more fish out there than what we intended to have. The other thing the stock assessment provided was an opportunity to look at how these individual families within a brood year survived. And so we assumed that each individual family would survive equally upon release. Well, we found out that wasn't the case. Is what happened is, is within some brood years, some individual families um, were more abundant than the estimated wild population. And these individual families sometimes came from a single female and two males. So they're highly related individuals, and there was a lot of them. Luckily, sturgeon mature at later ages. And so the fishery was put in place to help remove these overabundant hatchery fish that are highly related. And it was also put in place early so that we could remove these highly related fish before they start spawning the wild population so that we wouldn't reduce genetic variability in the population. The total number of juveniles that have been released into Lake Roosevelt and the Canadian section I'm up in British Columbia. So between both programs, we've released over 162,000 juveniles since 2002. As you can see in the early years, stocking rates were extremely high and that was based on our low survival estimate. And then as you move through time to 2015 on, you can see that we've reduced the number of fish that we have been stocking. That was based on our updated survival estimates, showing that we have a lot higher survival than we, what we initially thought. So with that being said, the fishery was open and it's intended to remove these early brood years from 2001 through 2012. So those are the fish that um, are currently available in the fishery and that we're trying to remove so we can get family equalization so we don't have these highly related overabundant hatchery fish swimming around out there. Looking towards the future, we did begin stocking in 2017 to support a long-term fishery. So we are stocking now to maintain a fishery. However, these fish that we began stocking in 2017 probably won't be available for the fishery for a few years. So there's going to be a little bit of a lag time. All right. A little bit about sturgeon, how we have gotten to where we are today. Tomorrow, we're going to wrap up another, a little bit more on the white sturgeon fishery. We're going to find out about the present state of white sturgeon. And I'll tell you what, if you want to look at Lake Roosevelt, it is a very diverse fishery. For top-notch customer service and unmatched choices in insurance products, you can depend on the folks at Guide Insurance Services in Colville. For home and auto, farm, life, health, personal and business insurance policies, call for a free quote and take advantage of rates, benefits, and services designed to give you more for your money. Call Guide Insurance Services today at 684-5850 or stop in at the Town Center Building, 298 South Main, Suite 101. Uh, no big changes in the ballot count yesterday. Uh, Mark Burroughs going to face off against Carl uh, uh, Taylor in the general election for Commissioner District Number 2. Burroughs with 71% of the vote, uh, Taylor with uh, 18% of the vote. Brandon Harding with uh, 10% uh, will not move on to the general election. In the assessor race, it'll be Dude Simmons taking on Rick Johnson. In uh, the count so far, Johnson with 37% of the vote. Simmons 
with 35%. Bryce Stearns not moving on to the general election. It's a race that only has two candidates, so the primary gives us a very good idea of how close this race should be in the general election. In the coroner race, the incumbent, Lori Sampson, with 5,774 votes, Ramona Colvin with 5,668 votes. Uh, 50% for Samson, 49% for Colvin. For prosecuting attorney, we'll see Erica George on the ballot with Jeff Christensen in the general election. George with 36% of the vote. Christensen with 26%. Tyndall got 22%, forced 14% in the primary election. Today's the day. It's finally here. Sandra's Furniture is having their once a year inventory reduction sale this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. With supply chains getting back to normal, we are getting swamped with inventory and we have got to make room for all the new furniture coming from market. So now is your chance to shop the inventory reduction sale on absolutely everything in stock, including famous name brands like Ashley, Flexsteel, Lazy Boy, England, Southern Motion, Best, Home Elegance, and even Amish made furniture. Plus with your good credit, you can purchase all the new furniture mattresses and accessories you deserve with no money down no interest charges for 12 full months it all starts today the inventory reduction sale going on now at Sandra's furniture downtown Colville a pilot died a plane crashes in Jefferson County a low-flying aircraft found with a sputtering engine and then a crash heard it 310 yesterday afternoon. There was fog in the area at the time. The U.S. Navy Whidbey Island Search and Rescue joined in the search and located the plane, a single-engine Cirrus SR-22. The pilot was found dead at the scene. King County prosecutors charging an Auburn man with first-degree murder, alleging he beat a man to death with a rifle. Accused of entering a home in Auburn, fatally beating the man with the stock of his rifle. The medical examiner's office ruled the death a homicide due to severe blunt force trauma. man being held in King County Jail... He'll be arraigned on the 18th, bail set at $2 million. And a Spokane medical doctor accused of hiring someone on the dark web to kidnap his estranged wife. He pleads guilty to counts of threats in interstate commerce, part of a plea deal. Ronald uh, Igg originally pled not guilty to one count of attempted kidnapping, changed his plea to guilty in relation to two counts of threats in interstate commerce. 
Charges of cyber-stalking, attempted kidnapping, damage to a computer, and witness tampering, they have been dropped. He had been a licensed physician in Washington State since 2003. He denies the FBI allegations that he tried to hire someone to kidnap his estranged wife. Foggin Brothers Lumber, a leader in the forest products industry, is now offering a free forest health checkup. If you have 10 or more acres of timberland, Vaughan Brothers Lumber can help you determine if your family's forest is healthy and fire resilient. Schedule your free forest evaluation today by calling Vaughan Brothers Lumber at 684-5071. Vaughan Brothers Lumber, adding value to the forest for people, products, and the environment. Carlos Santana snapped an 0-for-17 slump with a go-ahead two-run homer during Seattle's three-run seventh inning. The Mariners rallied to beat the slumping Yankees 4-3. to Aaron Judge hit his major league-leading 45th homer of the season for the Yankees. So Seattle, they take a 2-1 series win over in New York and now a 2-1 series win in Seattle. Actually, now Seattle has not lost a series to a team other than Houston since mid-June. All right, it is a travel day. It's an off day for the Mariners today. Tomorrow, we get back in action. The Mariners tomorrow open the series at Texas. It's uh, uh, three games at Texas, three games at Los Angeles, and then three games at Oakland. Four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, pregame. First pitch at 5.05. Mariner baseball, pretty exciting Exciting stuff this year. The Mariners right in the hunt. Get in the playoffs for the first time in a couple of decades. Today's local weather forecast brought to you by Colville Glass. Colville Glass excels at auto glass repair and replacement, residential and commercial windows, as well as mirrors and shower doors. Serving the people of our area since 1966 at 111 South Oak. 93 the high this afternoon. The possibility of a few more showers could have thunderstorms tonight. 53 the low, 96 the high. Showers, thunderstorms possible tomorrow. 52 Friday night, sunshine in 89 Saturday and Sunday, warming up to 93 Monday, 97 Tuesday, oh, find that wide-brimmed hat again, it's going to be 100 degrees by next Wednesday, pretty dry still in the forecast even though we got a pretty good downpour for a while early hours this morning here in Colville for complete auto glass Louis vinyl windows for your home or storefront you can count on them Colville glass 
Calm, no wind. The barometer up uh, 30.20. We're warming up pretty quickly. It's 71 degrees. Coming up on 7.30, we've made it to Thursday. I'm Eric Carpenter. Thanks a lot for joining us on KCVL, KCRK.